All right, I'm recording. Business. Well, just for the uh, the listening folks at home, Mark's currently making a cup of coffee. Sure am. A little bit of context. We just spent 45 minutes figuring out our technical difficulties, uh, and that's when the hissing started. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't a problem with the microphone. It was Mark making a cup of coffee, and so here we go. All right, that's, very good. I'm assuming that that's Mark pouring the coffee. We are good to go. This is very much theatre of the mind. Okay, um, what we need to do is I want to do uh, I want to have one more discussion about our name and our tagline. Okay. Okay. All right. So we we like the, <laughs> the, the, we like bushwhacked. We're we're yep. bushwhacked, misguided, uh, Altair Rovers. Uh, misguided. Oh, I said that the misguided guides or something like that. Um, or we had so misguided, misguided adventures. From yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, bushwhack misguided adventures from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Yeah. And then in brackets, not the wrestlers. What if we call it bushwhacked, not the wrestlers? <laughs> I mean, like, could you call it that and then have the tagline tales from yeah, know, the wild li- parts of... Lighthearted tales of adventure from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Yeah. So we call the podcast Bushwhacked, Not the Wrestlers. Or bushwhackers, because there's two of us. Yeah. And we make a point that in the name we say not the wrestlers to avoid copyright infringement. Bushwhack. Like literally, the name is saying. Bushwhack. It's just bushwhackers, not the wrestlers. And then. Okay, so bushwhackers. Because that might grab a whole audience that we didn't even realize. Well, they don't even realize because they're like, oh, bushwhackers, the wrestlers. Oh, wait, no, it's not the wrestlers. Okay. And then that'll drag them in. All right. Bushwhackers, not the wrestlers. B N T W. B N T dub. The B N T. Bushwhackers. The bent dub. The bent dub nation. Bent dub nation. Bent dub Make nation. It. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Lighthearted Tales of Adventure from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, with me, my co-host, Mark Wilson. Hello. Kia ora, Cameron. Kia ora, world. I hope everybody is well on this grey day here in Christchurch. And what's it like where you are today, Cameron? Um, thank you for saying my name, as I just realised I didn't introduce myself at the very start. Uh, my name is Cameron Clark. I'm the, I'm the other co-host. Uh, I am from the beautiful Winnipeg, Manitoba, uh, where I'm living right now. Currently 27 degrees. Um, yeah, and this is, this, is, this is our podcast, everyone. Brilliant. Two, two people that couldn't be any further away from each other, talking about 
something that they both do and would like to do but as just said the distance between us means we don't get to do it as often as possible but as you will find out in the future the times that we have gone out into the wild together have actually spawned some pretty amazing adventures and uh, a little bit of peril would you say Cameron yes <laughs> there's been a couple couple of moments of peril uh, we'll we'll definitely I'm sure at some point we'll dip into that on 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 one of on one of our episodes. I'm already <laughs> thinking about it. That's fantastic. Um, anyway, uh, look, I should probably explain the uh, concept to the to the folks listening around the world. So Mark is a professional walking guide. Um, we're both originally from New Zealand, and we love getting out. And uh, we call it tramping in New Zealand. You don't want to call it tramping in North America. That means something else. Um, so we'll call it hiking or walking. Uh, anyway, Mark's a pro and he's taken me out a few times. Uh, I enjoy it and I, I really like hiking, but I'm in no way a, a, a pro. So you're going to be getting stories from uh, the perspective of a professional uh, and stories uh, from a perspective of, you know, my, myself, someone who just kind of likes doing it. And um, also, I mean, it's really just, I think it's almost like every podcast it's just an excuse for us to have a chat every couple of weeks really wouldn't you say mark absolutely absolutely and it's all just about a bit of fun and hopefully all going well because uh i do work in tourism it gets a few people to first aotearoa new zealand one of the most stunning places on the planet and then also in the other sense gets people to winnipeg which i had the absolute pleasure of visiting a couple of years ago but of course that is another story which will be included in what could be the endless series so strap in because we've got a long way to go very good now um every week uh mark is going to prepare uh, a story for us um and uh you uh will be and me uh dear listeners uh i will be a surrogate for you listening to uh mark's story uh, now, depending on the story, will of course depend on any input that I that I may have as we go, um, and um, yeah, I'm expecting this to be you know fairly entertaining. Um, and if you don't find it entertaining, well, then I guess you you're not going to listen, and that's that's okay too. We, uh, we we won't take it personally here at Bushwhackers, not the wrestlers. Uh, the name we correct the name we finalised not ten minutes ago. <laughs> Absolutely. We came prepared in the sense that we didn't. <laughs> All right. So, Mark, uh, this is the tagline I'm going to be using whenever we segue into the main segment of the podcast. Uh, why don't you take us on a mesh? Okay. Uh, well, I think the best thing to do is just to explain how everything came about because um, then it does really make sense and it can bring the world in to what the whole point of NZ Hikes is. So NZ Hikes itself, it started during the first lockdown of what's been going on in the world. Now here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, where we're a lot different to other places around the world in the sense that we're a very small island in the southern part of the Pacific Ocean. And therefore, if there is an airborne virus that is spread amongst humans, we can simply just lock down the country, and that means we can contain the virus. And so that's exactly what happened in March. Now, the story actually begins before then, 
because we go back to January. So it was January when I was living my life as I did normally up until then, and that was on a big boat. So Cam pointed out that I'm a professional hiker, and I have done a lot of hiking throughout my time. And so that's been through jobs on the Rootburn Track, the Greenstone Track, and the Milford Track. Now that was with a company called Ultimate Hikes. And from there, I moved on to doing some guiding around the Tasman Glacier, which was very excellent for a place called Southern Alps Guiding. And from there, I moved on to the Humpridge Track. Now, the Humpridge Track is at the south end of the South Island of Aotearoa, New Zealand. The most uh, wonderful, I just got to interrupt you there, the most wonderfully named track, the Humpridge Track. Absolutely. Yes. It lives up to its name, actually. Ah. Um, And it was from there that I became the track manager. So I went away from being the hiking guide, although as track manager, I did guide parties throughout the track. Uh, And then from there, I ended up moving up to Tiano, a place where I now call home, and began working on a big boat in Doubtful Sound. Now, on that boat, I was the team leader, and I had a little team that basically did everything that you would expect at a hotel, but this hotel was actually floating around a fjord. And so stunning, stunning place to visit, and you also end up getting a little bit heavier by the fact that you are fed four meals whilst the 20-hour trip goes on this actually starts to sound like a promotion for this (laughs) hopefully we can uh i'll get you a free trip one day anyway go back to january 2020 and it was a day like no other now on that day i was the chef's helper or the galley hand because you don't have a kitchen on a boat you have a galley Mm -hmm. why i don't know i just worked there (laughs) but it was on that day that's we were out at high seas the boat was rocking and rolling And the fridge door, large industrial size fridge, was actually left open and in a big wave it swung and it hit me directly on my hip. Now, not a very good thing to happen, uh, especially because of where we were, remote location. Mm -hmm. So in a way I was kind of lucky as when I look at pictures, uh, and you can see this all on nzhikes.co.nz, you'll see that if the door handle which left the really big bruise and tear of the muscle in the hip hip flexor region uh, that was slightly higher it would have actually hit me in the kidney now if it hit me in the kidney or any organs because of where we were which is the west coast of fjordland and that's one of the most remote locations on the planet uh, it's at least two hours that's best case scenario two hours to get a helicopter out there to get me and if I've got hit really hard in the kidney now the first doctor I saw said it looked like a car crash impact so if that sort of force is getting pushed onto any of your organs they're going to rupture and the helicopter wouldn't have made it in time so you got to look on the bright side of things I guess and could have been worse so 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 let me let me get this straight so as pa- this is basically listeners at home, what, what Mark is doing here is that he's telling his origin story. Um, is that now, Mark, you are working on a boat, and it's a, it's a boat for tourists to go out and see the beautiful fjords. Absolutely, um, up to 72 people. Okay. Um, you've been working there for a while, and it's, you know, and again, it's all part of your outdoor wilderness experience. 
Um, Absolutely. But the, the, the treacherous seas of doubtful sound uh, meant that uh, you've sustained this pretty horrifying injury. Um, and that Correct. was the spark for creating your website, uh, nzhikes.co.nz. Uh, Instagram. Well, well, there's a there's a there's a little bit more of the journey. Okay, so okay. Uh, that happened, and at first, you've got to remember we've got stubborn kiwiness, and the stubborn kiwiness meant that the next day, I so the the day went on, that happened, and I managed to just so everyone knew I was quite hurt, um, mm-hmm. but I managed to sort of hold it together, and then mm-hmm. it was the next morning. I looked at what was a kind of a yellowy purple bruise. Okay. And you know when it's not your standard color, it's probably pretty bad. Okay. Um, and that was when um, eventually we got back because we're out. It's not at sea, but in the fjord, and the fjord is the second biggest in all of New Zealand. So is the fjord a massive salt, place. Is the, is the fjord salt water or fresh water? Well, it's actually a layer of fresh water on top of the salt water. Uh, until you get out near the coastline and there's a couple of other fjords that connect and so it's a massive big area so and so the water do waterfalls full of fresh water pour into the fjord but then you also have the salt water flowing in right as well yes Ah. yes yes so there's that fresh water layer on top Um, and for me like i am not a fan of the going out in the ocean like the the rocking waves we poke our heads out each trip to have a look and then come back in and the fjords unless it's really insanely bad weather or no sorry not bad weather interesting weather uh it's really calm so you don't have to worry about rocking around um so it's ironic that that's one thing that i really don't like and this entry happened when we were just literally just poking our nose out to have a look at the tasman sea because the fjords go right out to the coastline there. So Turtle Lake, you're poking your head out, and this fridge attacks you and basically yeah. destroys destroys your hip. Yep, yep. So okay. we go back, and that's when I went in, saw the doctor. Doctor says car crash impact. Uh, now I'm in Tiano, which is beautiful location as it is. It has a fairly basic medical centre, and the majority of the times unless it's a pretty simple thing, you'll have to go to either Queenstown or to Invercargill. So a couple of, like about a week or so goes uh, just, past. Just for, our, just, for our, just for our listeners at home, very important uh, fun fact about Invercargill. Uh, Paul McCartney mm. referred to it as the asshole of the world. Mm. Just, just, just well, so you know. The uh, most southern city in uh, the British Empire. There you go. Uh, just going through a revamp as well for all the Invercargill listeners out there. I'm sure there's plenty of them. Um, so it will look nicer soon if Paul wants to come back and reassess his assessment of the place. Uh, yes. So anyway, anyway, anyway sorry. okay. So can't get anything done. I have I can't get a X-ray or anything in Tiano. So referred to Queenstown. Okay. Right, and we're now sort of the start of February. So it's the start of February, okay. and I go for an X-ray and an ultrasound. So um, up there, they say there might be some hairline fractures in my hip, uh, but at the moment, it's looking like it's the muscle tear is the that's your that's your real bad problem. Yeah. Um, 
and we'll see what happens. But you also need to go and get an MRI um, and a CT scan. Now those can't happen in Queenstown, they've got to be in Invercargill or Christchurch. And of course, the whānau, the, the land that I come from, mm -hmm. that's where you and me met, mm -hmm. um, that's where my parents are. So mm -hmm. it's far easier when you're pretty immobile, you can't do anything, to go up to where people can help you. So in Tiano, people can help me there, obviously, but no one's going to drive me all the way up and then just wait so, in Invercargill. So, so back so, to Christchurch, the uh, beautiful yep. garden city. Absolutely. So I go up to the beautiful garden city, get referred for these scans, and it turns out they're actually going to take a little while because there's this thing starting to happen around the world. And <laughs> the public in New Zealand are still a little bit blasé about it. If you didn't watch too much news, you probably wouldn't know too much about what's going on. But the doctors are all like, oh, this is going to be interesting. So it's, it's okay, it's going to take a while. And unfortunately, during, or fortunately, depends how you look at it, <laughs> uh, this is when my parents had booked to do a trip on the boat that I got injured on, down in Doubtful Sound, to watch me do my job. And so now I'm with them injured, and they're like, well, you know, we, we'll still go. And I ask Real NZ, the company I work for, yeah. well, can I just go with them as a customer? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, sure. And that was really cool. Nice. So as we're driving down to Queenstown to for the first night, um, and we drove down because I needed to get more clothing, and I realized that I'm going to be in Christchurch for a while with my injury. Yeah. We get to Queenstown, and just the news just keeps keeps rolling along, and this thing keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Now, we get and do our boat trip, and instead of being 72 people, it's all of a sudden now 36 people. Oh, you had that and many cancellations. All, all, all these people have pulled out. Oh. And to us, we're still a little bit like, oh, okay, uh, uh, yeah. it seems strange. We finish the trip on a Sunday and begin our adventure back north. And it was the Tuesday night that we went into lockdown as an entire country. While we go into lockdown, yeah. the, uh, the reality is setting in that I'm not going to be doing anything for a while, uh, but also I've now gone from January through to March doing no missions. And so this is where we get into the whole NZ hikes, a mish a day. Ah, right, right, right. So, so to cap off your origin story, you were inspired to create nzhikes.co.nz uh, by the way listeners you can look this up on Instagram as well Absolutely. Hikes. Yep. Um, and so you were inspired to make your website and your Instagram page because you couldn't get out on your usual missions well no one could so right. originally it was we were told we were going to have I think it was five weeks lockdown at first or something like that so I knew it was going to be a while so I thought, well, for the lockdown, what I'll do is just go back over all my photos that I've got and do a mish a day for the lockdown. How hard can that be? Because I've got all these photos, and I had years and years and obviously hundreds and hundreds of trips into the wild all saved up. 
and it was just sitting there. And so I was like, well, cool, this will keep me busy, and hopefully some people will have a look at it, have a read, and then that'll get through 10 minutes of their lockdown. Yeah, and, and now we are going to mine this brilliant uh, collection of stories that you have amassed, and we are going to turn it into podcast gold. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, make it a, you know, if you're, you're driving, it's a little bit harder to uh, to read. But also, in the future, <laughs> one thing that I'm looking at doing, uh, if we are talking about plugging, uh, is very soon there will be a toilet book released. Now, you wonder what a toilet book is. Well, the Misha Day series, and there's now 500 plus stories, they only take around three to ten minutes to read, very short stories. Therefore, the toilet book is something that you just sit beside your toilet and you just wonder how many missions you're going to get through on that <laughs> visit. And I don't want to go into too much more detail about that. We'll go back to the origin story if I could. So I'd like to pull this out a bit because, uh, you know, I, 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 I would love it if we could start referring to our uh, t- bowel movements in terms of how many missions you got through. Like I could just I could just imagine yep. you oh, just had a five had a five mission. Whoa. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's. Yeah, you've got some issues there if you're on a five mesh. Um, or you're really enjoying it. I mean, maybe you're really enjoying it. Because mountain motivation, you'll see it's plastered all over NZ Hikes. Yeah. That's the main thing. So, like, it was like because I couldn't get out into the wild, and I know that New Zealand is this land yeah. of milk and honey when it comes to wilderness. So it was almost like building through the lockdown, definitely building people up enough so when we were released there we you, you know they were like yeah let's go i want yeah, to get you, right you, into it you could just go be hard. really really enjoying the book <laughs> right so we're in lockdown still okay so lockdown five weeks or so of it could be could be more i can't remember um fact check me listeners and we'll go back to it but like i was I hadn't had my scans yet. I hadn't had my CT scan. I hadn't had my MRI scan. I couldn't go to the doctor. I was kind of just sit in limbo with this horrible-looking hip injury. And so once I finally got to go and see a doctor, and that was still in level four, and it was just due to the pain. I just had to go and see somebody about something. This was how long Um, after the injury? So this is now in March, so we are now three months later, and it was strange. At the time, it wasn't the worst pain. It took a few months for the pain to get really to its maximum, Um, and I guess that's when, uh, you know, we turn to those good old drugs. Yeah, it's because it's, from it's funny how much you uh, you realize you actually use your hip for, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like to anyone out there who doesn't know what a hip injury is like, try doing anything, but don't use your hip, and you'll see it's near on impossible. Um, so when I went and saw the doctor up here, the doctors, you know, obviously were like, "Well, you probably should have got this seen to," but. You couldn't because of the uh, world pandemic and all. So the whole getting anything done to it was really late, um, which could have meant that is why it took 13 months from injury to getting back to work. Jesus. 
So it was a long time, but then going back to work was under um, quite strict rules just to make sure I didn't hurt myself again. Uh, and the saga is continuing because uh, only just recently uh, have the doctors discovered uh, multiple hernias. So oh, I in the managed wars, to. Aren't you? Yeah, well, that's it. But the, the thing for me, which goes back to the NZ hikes, is writing about it has hopefully, I mean, I don't I want to test the other way, but writing about it has been good enough to sort of keep me sane. Yeah. So, okay. you sort of like, and that's just shows, like it is, it's such an addiction when you go into the mountains, and in New Zealand, Aotearoa, you can be here in a valley, which is massive, and me and Cam, we've done it together, huge big valley, beautiful big waterfall, or a river, or a big snow-capped mountain, yeah. and, and that's you, just you there, and so that really gets you to a point where you become an addict and you really want to keep doing that over and over again and uh, there's lots of talk these days about mental health and all that um, and simply just going for a walk a lot of people think that that's just you know that sounds boring or whatnot uh, but when you have the scenery like we have here in New Zealand uh, it's just it's, yeah, it's hard to explain, really. Um, I'm still trying to explain it in the sense that I've written over 500 little stories about it. <laughs> so I guess I'll never uh, never finish explaining how awesome it is. Yes, once again, that's nzhikes.co.nz. Nzhikes, uh, yeah. Uh, hashtag yeah, nzhikes, uh, hashtag on a yep. mish. Uh, Facebook slash nzhikes. <laughs> no, okay, we'll do that at Absolutely. the end. Absolutely. We'll do that at the end. Yep. Um, the, yep. I, I love hearing um, y your voice lifted when you started talking about the beauty uh, that you've, that you've ah, experienced. Yes. Um, that's, that's what I really noticed. Um, and I think that's really captured in your many stories as well. And uh, I think going forward with this podcast, I think, you know, that, that type of, um, that inspiration that you get, um, that really, that came across in that moment where I heard you describing it. And that's, that's I think, a lot of what we're going to try to capture uh, with this podcast. Um, is mm, that feeling mm. of, of wonder, really, right? Yep. Um, that's, yep. that's it. We want that wonder, but then we're also going to try and like, and, and, and hopefully the audience at home also, also likes our, our lighthearted banter. Uh, <laughs> mm. Um, the other thing that I was thinking just as you were, um, telling your story there, Mark, was I'm kind of like the dark side a little bit of this because... I often tell people, because I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba is the coldest city in North America. Uh, I believe second coldest in the world, second to only... Uh, uh, it's in Siberia, oh, see, put it that way. <laughs> see, I'm, see, I'm learning. See, you're learning, I'm learning. I, I didn't realize that's how... I know it was cold when I went there. Boy, it was chilly. Uh, but I didn't realize it was world... Beating cold. Oh, excellent. Good to know. Yeah. Mark, Mark came in December, which wasn't even the coldest month. Um, anyway. <laughs> he, uh, um, anyway. So people always ask me, well, why would you leave New Zealand? Now, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, and mm, I, I'm sure I'm, you guys will hear my why I love Winnipeg rant. It'll, you'll, it'll be inescapable. It'll happen at some point. 
But the other reason that I always say is that, you know, people are always like, why would you ever leave New Zealand? It's so beautiful. Um, mm. and I, and I have Me to included. Tell, and I have to tell them, like, yeah, it is beautiful. But my perspective is when you're forced to go on a school camp every mm. year, usually, sometimes twice a year, that involves forced bushwalks, and when you're mm. someone who is of, let's say, a child of, say, larger stature, um, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's not fun for you. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and yep. so you don't have that novelty factor, and then you also have, you know, there's, there's some, some sort of negative connotations there with, with my deep-seated childhood trauma, obviously. See, and I think this is where we can flow quite nicely because at the moment, um, obviously, I've got, I've got to go through an a operation to remove the hernias, and I will go backwards quite a bit. But for anyone out there who thinks they can't do it, um, I mean, don't look at me as a seasoned veteran. Look at me as someone who's very injured and is going to have to, for the second time now, start back at square one. Huh. So I've been put back back to, say, you know, your, yourself back in the day where you were forced to, because you didn't want to do it, because obviously yeah. it's it's going to hurt. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and once you form this love of, just walking around, hearing birds chirping, hearing the sound of rain, you know, falling through the forest, through the leaves, you know, you'll find that you don't have to go that far. And just lately, with my lack of being able to get around, and you'll read about it, nzhikes.co.nz, there has been... Facebook slash nz. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's been missions where I've just driven and then dragged myself as far as I could, which hasn't been very far sometimes, and I'm still there. And that's a wonderful thing about New Zealand. Um, now, when it comes to living here, and this is where I can 100% back you up uh, for leaving, the the cost of living here is tough. It's like, I don't want to say punished. It's not the wrong, the right word. But because we live in such a beautiful, peaceful, remote location, it's just, especially if you work in tourism like I do, um, you've really got to love it. You really do because you don't get paid that much. Um, but your payment is hopefully convincing someone, and this is where I've just really found ever since starting work in tourism as a hiking guide, um, is for someone to pick up just a little bit of that passion that I have, and then hopefully that's just a, you know, the starting, that's getting the kindling going to then be a raging fire of, of loving what's going on out there and yeah that's just what I want to do now do with, you, um, these do you have a uh, do you have a particular uh, piece of tinder that you would like to spark up for us right now well come to think of it there might just be a story or two that I could have a yarn to people about um, <laughs> And so what we're going to do, basically, is each week, I'm just going to pull out a random story. Random in the sense that it, it'll sort of fit somehow into what we're talking about. So this story, which uh, you'll find it on the website, you'll find it on Facebook, and you'll find it on Instagram. Um, this happened in a little place known as Hakatere, and... Hakatere is the mountains of Canterbury. 
and they are mountains that are reasonably rolling hills uh, but still a massive remote area so it's around about 60,000 hectares this huge area and the particular story I'm going to talk about uh, is actually when I went into this area for uh, the winter for the first time and so when I went in there um, I felt like I was invincible now this happened in 2012 and I started guiding in 2008 all right so I'm a few years into it and I'm at that stage where I felt like I could do anything and nothing would bother me and a lot of people will go through this where you get a little bit of experience and you feel like you've got enough experience but you'll never ever and I found out uh, stop learning and I learnt in this mission which is number 43 simply called lost that uh, nzhikes.co.nz hashtag nzhikes hashtag amish a day exactly uh, that <laughs> I, I actually walked off the map in this little mission, oh, and wow. so I thought I'll be okay. Now, 2012 was a lot different to these days, as these days, a lot of people, they have what's known as a phone. Now, that phone will have maps, it can have a tracking device, and it'll have a battery that'll last quite a long time, now, and you also now, might now, have a now little. Just, just, just some context for our international listeners here. Uh, New, New Zealand gets things a, a little later than other than other countries. Uh, phones, exactly. phones being one of them. <laughs> yep. Anyway, continue. definitely. <laughs> yep. So, um, in 2012, I'm still on maps, paper maps, and I've been a sucker for topos forever. And I've got tons of maps. So I've got this map. And I'd like to say on behalf of DOC, the Department of Conservation, they have corrected what happened. But at this stage, um, there was not very well marked areas in the location that I'd headed to. So, um, yeah, let's just say because of that, things got interesting. And uh, that is where... We begin the first of many, a Misha Day, and it is number 43, and it is simply called Lost. So, it was 26th of June 2012, and over times I had clocked up many hours under the stars, and on occasions I had forgone a tent for a night out in the open in my waterproof bivy bag. Now at this stage, while working on the route burn track along with other guides, I actually didn't have any of that equipment and I found out the hard way that having that equipment is quite important when tackling the harsh mountain environment. Now I was very unfamiliar with the area west of Lake Heron and uh, Lake Heron if you actually a little side note read a lot of the stories or when sorry when you read a lot of the stories you'll find Lake Heron's mentioned quite a bit and that's kind of where I got started in this area and at this stage I hadn't gone anywhere away from there so this was my first adventure away and I went on a mission to go to Boundary Hut now that's located in the mountains of the Potts range and that is another mountain range 
that you'll become very familiar with over reading these stories. Now I had a topo map and it showed the hut and it showed it was located right on the edge of the map. Now because of that this would come back to haunt me later. So I drove into this massive area known as Hakateri. I went past the little alpine village of Mount Summers and then I went on to what is known as the Paddle Hill Car Park. Now to get there I had to make my way over a very rough access track and of course it's June. Now June where Cam is, the sun is shining, people are swimming, but here on the other side of the world June is the middle of winter and there was a lot of snow on the ground after a big snowfall had come through a couple of days before and it was incredibly cold but somehow using my mother's Honda CRV the mighty green machine I managed to get over this very rough four-wheel drive track and got to where I couldn't drive anymore so I was pretty pumped by the time I started uh, the adrenaline was flowing because I had got over these pretty rough track and what is considered to be a sucker mom's four-wheel drive so it was from this Paddle Hill car park that I began my walk and the area now is a lot better marked but back then it was all sort of a maze of four-wheel drive tracks that I had to follow so mistakes do happen sometimes and it's merely a life lesson so there is a way of teaching you to make this not to make the same mistake again and for me it would be a night out under the stars so I started my walk and I got to this junction now the junction was between two four-wheel drive tracks which looked exactly the same and when looking at the map both of them went off the edge of the map so I had to just choose one and knowing that I was bulletproof I knew I could get to where I was going but uh, obviously as we have heard that didn't happen so I'm walking along and I'm getting into deeper deeper snow I'm starting to get a little bit higher in altitude but the views were insanely good I've now popped up and over the Potts range and I'm looking down onto the Rangitata Valley and we've got snow covered mountains everywhere I ended up walking past a lake which was mysterious to me at the time and turned out to be called Mystery Lake which is quite ironic but I kept walking and it became evening then it became night and I knew I had to do something so I knew if I kept walking something would go wrong or I'd just get even more lost so I had to stop and reassess now when I stopped and reassessed I saw that there was Matagari and Matagari is a spiky plant and when it snows the snow all builds up on the top of it and in some places there's little hollows underneath now that looks like the safest place to go for me because if I just kept walking it would have got into total darkness and then what would have happened so I decided right I'm gonna stop where I am and just sleep here and reassess my situation in the morning so uh, I went and I parked up underneath this bush of Matagari and I had a plastic backpack cover and so this plastic liner it goes inside your bag and makes sure that everything doesn't get wet and I thought well 
that's going to have to be my my bivy bag my overliner so I chucked that on and that was going to have to do for the night wait wait, wait. so it's now sleeping you're wearing a sleeping bag bag so it's a, a, a plastic bag, like a giant plastic bag. Consider okay. it to be a giant plastic bag, like a big rubbish bag. Okay. And that's now covering my legs. It didn't cover my whole body because it was too short, uh, but it covered most of me, and I'm now tucked up underneath this bush <laughs> thinking, what's going on? But I was calm. I just thought, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Now how, I've how, got all my how, stuff. How cold was it Celsius? Oh, we were, we're in the... Probably minus five to minus ten, minus sort of thing. Five to minus ten. Um, okay. Pretty cold. So, very, it's 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 rather chilly. Now you got to remember, for our Canadian viewers, <laughs> and listeners, um, our minus ten. I'm sure Cam will agree with it. Would be minus twenty. Would you say? Because it's a wet cold. It's it just feels a lot colder here when the numbers tell a different story. Yes. I guess you could say. Yes. So yes, it's enough um, to be dangerous. Uh, I think that's the that's the point. Absolutely, think, that's the point. Absolutely, and and pl- plus when you're not when you're not dressed, expecting to sleep in a minus ten either, that's uh, it's going to be a problem. Absolutely. Um, so luckily, with my guiding up until this stage, so 2012, four years of guiding, I'd always carried extra clothing just as a what if. I just always have it, and so. I had a couple of bits of gear that I didn't use, so I still could have been a little bit warm as I could be, and that's because I was tucked up under this bush, and if I was out walking still, I'm still out exposed, and so I'd be getting colder, that's where you have to think hypothermia, Um, and that's where we move on to the, the next part of our story. So, in the morning... I found myself under a snow-covered Mathagauri plant and not in the cosy confinement of the hut. Uh, so that now makes me always carry a bivy bag to carry uh, a thing that I can use to just cover myself up, keep myself warm, keep myself waterproof. And that's always in my bag. And that's there in case I have another unexpected overnight stop somewhere. But back in 2012, I wasn't as prepared. And... Uh, that's how I spent the night in this plastic bag <laughs> uh, underneath a bush. Uh, I managed to get a little bit of sleep, which was quite surprising. Um, and then when I woke up, I looked out and just got these amazing views. And it's one of these things where um, a few people I've hiked with, we've talked about it later, when we've encountered some interesting situations. I never say bad situations, because when you start admitting something's bad, uh, then, then you can't really take care of the situation. So as long as you just keep saying it's interesting, then you should be able to handle it um, <laughs> when it comes to controlling your mind to not panic. Um, so you learn you learn as you go. So you're in a very um, interesting situation. So I'm looking out. Yep, and I'm looking out at this amazing view of the twin peaks of Mount Potts. So I couldn't really... I knew I was around that when the, the night was sort of coming upon me. Uh, but in the morning, I got the, treated to this amazing sunrise. And if I was at the hut, I wouldn't have. So you always got to look on the bright side of things. And as soon as it was daylight, I thought, right, well, I've got to get back. So um, I opened up my semi-frozen eyes. And the sound, sight of Mount Potts, the snow-covered Twin Peaks, lit up underneath the very 
bright moon of the morning and I was incredibly impressive. I then packed up my camp, heavy quotation marks, under the camp, <laughs> my forced location, uh, under the Madagari bush, and then I just retraced my footsteps back to the Paddle Hill car park. Uh, now, because I'd walked through snow, I just followed the exact same footprints. And the snow was quite deep in places, so having the uh, snow sort of pre-plugged by myself was quite good. I could just use those footprints. And once I got back to my car, I realized that it was a 46-kilometer journey that I had made plugging through snow. So I was quite late getting back to my car. Now, when you go on a mission, there's a few things that are ultra important. First thing is having an emergency beacon. And very quickly, my parents learned of what I was doing on a regular basis. So they bought me a really good emergency beacon. And another thing is you need to have a panic time. So you need to tell someone where you're going, when you expect to be out, and when, if you're not there, they should start panicking. Because an emergency beacon is only good if it's turned on. And if you're out by yourself and find yourself in a situation where you can't turn that on, it's just a useless piece of plastic. Very famously so that in, um, uh, uh, what is it, uh, 127 hours. Uh, yes. The, the whole reason that he was not able to get rescued is because he didn't tell anyone where he was going. And uh, also exactly. he, was, he was not able to push the button on the emergency beacon Ex for yeah. obvious reasons. <laughs> obvious reasons. Obvious reasons. So... It's, you know, one, th like people, and you do run into them all the time in the wilderness of New Zealand, and a lot of people just don't realize, and that's why you've really got to come here, listeners. Uh, it's so remote, and where I hurt my hip, I just never get over watching a young girl from America come onto our boat, looking on her phone, and her eyes lit up so much when she looked at where she was on Google Maps and how far she had to scroll and expand the zoom on the map before she really re reached anywhere that was actually a city, a place that had a name on it. And for some people, that's as remote location as they will ever get in their life. Yeah, Fjord, and it really is. Just... Fjordland is um, arguably uh, one of the most remote place left on Earth. Um, apart Absolutely. from, I, I believe, like, I remember reading an article somewhere, I believe there's maybe a tiny Pacific Island that counts as technically more remote, because, you know, it's a tiny Pacific mm. Island in the middle of nowhere, right? Mm. But um, I remember going to Fiordland, and uh, the la one of the last times I was in New Zealand, uh, I actually went on a little uh, tiki tour, we call it, of um, the South Island. And uh, I actually went to the entrance of, uh, I remember, I, I told you this, remember, I went to the entrance of the mm. Root Burn track. Mm. But I didn't go in because I couldn't, couldn't, you can't actually go into Fiordland because there's, there's nothing there. It's, it's just Fiordland. And, 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 and which, which is the draw card of it, which as is well. what it is. But you've got to drive yeah. like eight hours into it to, to, mm. to, to get in there. And then once you're there, that's that's what it is. It's just it's it's a it's one almost one quarter of the entire South Island of New Zealand that's just mm -hmm. untamed natural park uh, national park except for 
um, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, except for some tracks and, of course, the huts, right? Yeah, so there's, um, in this situation, a little bit lucky, but in a, a critical situation in the wild, uh, you, you just, you've got to cover all your bases, and so that's when we go back to that panic time, and meeting a lot of people who just change their plans because they don't have a planet time or anything like that and they just assume that a, a personal locator beacon is going to save them and on many occasions yes of course they work because you're in a state where you can press the button and get help going to you uh, but there are times when you can't and that's when it just isn't the communication is so important um, now <laughs> this is where the uh, story gets quite funny in a way so I've now hiked back from where I've walked to and of course I've gone off the map hence the name of the story walking off the map and I get back to where I had my car and I'm quite a few hours behind my schedule I drive because we don't have internet all throughout Aotearoa New Zealand and currently where I'm at my parents waiting for my surgery is just out of a major city, the biggest city in all of the South Island of New Zealand, Christchurch, and that's where me and Cam grew up. And I've been into remote parts of Nepal and seen better cell phone coverage than where we are here in New Zealand. Another uh, sign of how far back we are on communication we, we do really and get technology. We over cell phones, but uh, I, I can tell you that Manitoba is not much better. Like the coverage might be good, but the pricing's the pricing's pretty piss poor. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, so I drive. So I've got to drive about an hour from where I'd finished my hike to then get back to where there's the first bit of reception. And as soon as I hit reception, many, many messages, because I know I've gone past my panic time. And I was lucky enough, because what had happened, and this is when you know you've told the right people that if you're not there at that time, then panic, hence the name panic time, mm -hmm. because my parents, Jeremy, a character that uh, we will introduce just slowly, I believe. We don't want to launch into the character of uh, my father, Jeremy, just too quickly. He, Listeners, friend, we're, uh, a, a future friend of the podcast, Jeremy. Have you absolutely. told him you're doing this, by the way? Absolutely, yeah, I have, yep. Did, yeah, he's did keen. He, did he immediately abuse you for the, for the well, idea? There was well, there was abuse. Well, there was uh, enjoyment at looking forward to the fact that he could abuse you. <laughs> All right, you anyway, understand where anyway. I'm coming from? Little little tidbit um, there for, for the future episodes. Absolutely. So um, what Jeremy had done, so he had uh, he had actually called around and had a helicopter on standby, so pilot at the shed ready, because uh, I hadn't called back, and I'd passed my panic date. Like a, well, panic time, like, a, like a private helicopter? He was going to hire so a helicopter? What, what's quite lucky is um, the area towards civilization from where I was is a place where we've grown up. So that's where my family's grown up and they've farmed in that area and whatnot. So through connections, they knew someone who had a helicopter. So he hasn't dialed 111, um, which you can do in a situation like that um, but 
he's done the sort of the next best thing by calling someone who is a you know has a helicopter can come and rescue if needed. Uh, but luckily, stand down, soldier. We've found him. Uh, but that was all set up. That was that was ready to go because I was a couple of hours over my panic time. And at first, I was a little bit like, well, you know, calm down, man. You know, do you not trust me? In hindsight, that's exactly what you want your person to do if you don't turn up. Yeah, you told me to panic. So, this is the panic time. Like, yep. yeah. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so you walked, um, you walked your way out and just informed everyone that you were all right. Yep. Yep. And, so and, a whole lot of people. And so how much how much later was it that you got out? I would say it was about three hours because the hut was. It's an easy three hour walk because me and Jeremy have been there. Another story for another day. Um, I got revenge basically. Yeah. But. I had walked for about seven hours in the complete wrong direction. So by the time I had walked the seven hours back, I'm now way over the time. Because nice. Jeremy's good. Like, it's good having someone as well who will just quickly check. Get, get the little details. You can go online. It's very simple. If you tell someone the hut you're going to, they can simply just type it into Google and Doc's very good, so for all the Department of Conservation huts here in New Zealand, they'll have them on their website, and so and you can see, oh, that's rated as an easy three to four hour walk. And did you know that you were going to get cell phone coverage once you'd gotten to the hut? No, no, there's no cell phone coverage there at all. Oh. So the whole mission, no cell phone coverage whatsoever. So, so, for, so for how long were your parents panicking? For the so you'd think one one or two hours after the panic time. So you got to remember, there's the I'm probably going to be finished at this time. Yep. Because um, when it comes to huts, most of the time, because I'm a real morning person, um, I'll be up early, and then I'll just leave early. So the majority of my one night missions, I'm back in cell phone coverage by about lunchtime or so, and so. We're now looking at late into the afternoon. Right. So for the normal mish, this is this is way different. Like why you is he been not there by lunchtime? Absolutely. Like normally yeah. I'd be out. So you'd think, oh, maybe two o'clock that oh, a bit late. And then you think three, oh, that's quite late now. Four. And especially like the big thing for me is I'm by myself. So a lot of the things I do solo, like a bit of an issue, you know, you shouldn't go into the wild by yourself. But for me, like the remoteness is just enhanced so much. Just, I, just, I'm just the, quietly, just quietly. You better not be in the in the washroom right now. Not at all. No. Do you do, do anything like that? Do you, do you swear to me? Because it sounds like you're. you're it also sounds like you're drying your hands. No. All right. I'll I'm just walking you. around. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Cut that bit out. <laughs> okay. So okay. Where, where, where was I? So uh, I was, um, we, we were talking about uh, 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 how overdue you were and how now it was like yeah. 2 o'clock. Yeah. So it gets to 4 and they're like, well, this is, this is not good because uh, of that fact that I am by myself. So I, mm. if you fall off a cliff as you're falling – you don't think to get your pack open, pull out your emergency beacon and press the button. So um, luckily, 
nothing happened. There was yep. no helicopter flying around looking for me. Um, and that also then made me think to rethink what I tell my panic person. Because they were doing exactly what they were told. And so now I think... Also, I walked off the map. <laughs> Let's yeah. go right back to that fact. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And you just, it's also the fact that you decided to walk off the map as yeah, well. <laughs> I know. I know. And like, I have had many situations where it was, it did get quite sketchy. And that's how I've unfortunately learned. So... I think we really need to put it out now, and, and you'll learn as we go on, that um, I'm not, I really, 100% don't want to come across like I'm an invincible hiker who goes out and conquers all mountains put in front, because a lot of my stories, especially the really interesting ones, have come from screwing up, from doing things that, I know myself. Don't now, do that. Now, like, as, you know, as, why as, would I walk as, off the map? As, as has previously been uh, established, dear listeners, uh, interesting interesting means bad. Uh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say bad. It's a, you don't say bad. You just keep making decisions, follow through with the decisions. Because so as soon as you admit that things are wrong, then you failed. You have some interesting stories that have come about because of your interesting decisions. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, in hindsight, you know, the interesting decision of walking off the map, probably not a good one. Definitely not a good one. But definitely uh, but an now interesting I, one. Uh, now I know. Um, and to sort of circle back to nowadays, like, paper maps are still so important because people rely on their technology. Mm -hmm. And if the battery dies or if you drop it and it breaks if the phone gets wet. what do you do then yep what do you do then yeah um and unfortunately when people from overseas come to new zealand um they don't realize that we just don't have what you have overseas when we talk remote we mean no cell phone coverage three or ten walk from the end of a dirt track we're not talking about a main highway here we're just talking a dirt track near a farm and you're on your own out there you've got to take yeah. care of yourself if anything goes wrong um, and for me that mission uh, was a real eye-opener that if I was hiking along and I fell over and broke my leg and it was cloudy and the helicopter couldn't get to me I didn't have my bivvy bag then mm. What yeah, would like, I have done? Because, because a lot of the walks that you do, like they're not commonly commonly used. Like not at all. And that's I want to go outside of the square. That's my main thing. To be somewhere where you can look upon. And I'm I wouldn't rate myself as a very good singer, but like I will bring my little speaker there. And not to embarrass myself, I know I'm the only one in that valley. So I'll, I'll pump out some tunes and sing. And it's just such a cool feeling. Like, you know, you talk about me lighting up when I talk about it. Like, I don't know. It's it's something that you just have to go and do yourself to really just feel what it's like to be in these remote, stunning locations. I mean, you talk about something you want to put on a, a background of a computer or an advertisement picture. We've got millions of those places. Uh, now, New Zealand uh, tourism, uh, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mark can be reached at uh, nzhikes.co.nz. Uh, NZ. 
Absolutely. As, Contact via uh, Facebook, Messenger. Uh, as aware, you he does does have quite the sad story, so uh, open your hearts. Yeah. Open your hearts. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. New Zealand tour. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Wow. So yeah, big big lessons learnt there in that that cool little story. mish. Um, yeah. Cool story. Yeah. Now, um, now uh, I'd like to introduce you to a, a little improvisational segment that I had an idea for just as you were talking, cool. Mark. Uh, mm-hmm. It's welcome to correct Maori pronunciation. Oh, uh, excellent. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so in this uh, segment, uh, what you'll find is, is that we're going to look at a uh, te reo Maori word that Mark used during his story. Uh, and we're mm-hmm. going to compare the correct uh, pronunciation to uh, Mark's pronunciation. Uh, now, uh, Mark, the word that we have picked out today for you uh, is hakateri. Uh, hakateri. Now, if you will, can you please pronounce uh, hakateri for us? Hakateri. Uh, very good. Kapai. Kapai, Mark. Okay. Kia ora. <laughs> Now, you will see that Mark has had very high points this week. Uh, I'm going to give him yes. a 9 out of 10. Uh, considering uh, that this is one of those words that uh, our less enlightened, uh, mm-hmm. non-post-colonial uh, post thinkers of New Zealand, Aotearoa, uh, pronounce the word. Mark, could you please give us the wrong pronunciation of Hakateri? <laughs> and one more time, most will say hackatry. And there's a uh, slight difference between the two there. Uh, uh, and as we go on, you'll, you'll, we'll, we'll bring up more of these words. We'll bring up, there's plenty more. Now, just to uh, illustrate the, the divergent cultures of New Zealand, um, here's... Uh, how one might correctly use the word. Oh, I went to uh, Hakateri the other day. Beautiful, beautiful spot to do some camping. Uh, now, now, Mark, uh, could you give us the uh, incorrect pronunciation with a little bit more context as to how it might be used instead? I was doing um, a little bit of sheep mustering up in my station in Hakateri. <laughs> and there you go. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, that was uh, correct Maori pronunciation. And we'll edit. Maybe we'll edit something in there later. Yeah, yeah, little little theme song. I think that's about it. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm sort of wonderful. In. Okay, well, thank you for listening to uh, the very first episode of Bushwhacked, not the wrestlers. Uh, a light-hearted uh, tales of adventure from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, yes, yes, Bushwhackers, not the wrestlers. Yeah, that's the name of the podcast. Bushwhackers, not the wrestlers. Uh, one more time, not the wrestlers. Mm. <laughs> um, if you want to check out Mark's uh, various pages, uh, you can go to nzhikes.co.nz. Um, he's on Instagram as uh i think it's as nz hikes okay so it's the same on instagram as it is on the internet uh you can also check out his facebook page uh facebook slash nz hikes uh or the hashtag on a mish hashtag nz hikes is in there as well uh i'm sure if we keep doing this and we enjoy it we'll put some other stuff on there uh, yeah, and yeah. also um oh mark you wanted to talk about um a topic very close to your heart uh, to finish things off, 
the uh, very close to your active heart. Oh, yes. Well, uh, so folks, uh, one thing that I have done ever since 2015 and have unfortunately not been able to do since the world changed in 2020, and that's partake in a charity walk every year into really remote locations in Nepal. Uh, now, the charity itself was started by a fellow hiking guide who really became an enthusiast of the company, uh, the country and really found that this country that everyone knows here in New Zealand due to the fact that Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay were the first to climb Mount Everest, Chomolombo, Sagamatha, and that brings this very strong connection between Aotearoa New Zealand and Nepal. And unfortunately, what not a lot of people know is Nepal is the third poorest country on the planet. So a lot of people see these really high-priced mountaineering expeditions that happen in this country of 30-plus million people. But what a lot of people don't realize is that just off the beaten path that takes you to the famous mountains of this country, uh, a lot of places that have a lot of suffering due to the poverty there. Now, what we oh. do at activeheartsfoundation.org is we build libraries and we put into the uh, what is the most important asset in Nepal. And that, of course, is its children. So by building the little libraries that we build in their schools and then employing a librarian, we can educate the kids there to a point that we don't need to be there anymore and they can continue on with their lives with a little bit more knowledge thanks to the library that we've built. Wow. Um, so that's what Active Hearts is really about. It's about investing in the most important asset on the planet, and that, of course, is the children. So if you want to get involved with that, simply head to the website. Now, when it comes to the charity walks, I'm hoping that after I'm repaired, of course, needing my operation and all, we can continue. Now, the next one was planned for this year, 2022. But of course, plans go out the window when you've got COVID around. But 2023, probably around March, is when we're looking at our next one. And so another thing that you can follow by listening to this podcast is me getting myself to a point where I can get on that journey in 2023. Because, of course, when I have my operation, I'm going to be put back to square one. And for those out there who think that it's a bit tough and they can't get into hiking, I'm going to do it from basically being rendered useless. So uh, you can do it as well. So watch wow. this space. Oh, wow, that could be uh, that could be a new segment for us. Uh, uh, a mark uh, a mark mark health update. Yeah, injury oh, update. Sense. Injury update. Yeah. Mm. How many? Um, With a woo 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 noise. Are you on reduced hours at the moment? I can't. I can't work at all. Yeah, you can't work at all. That's right, because you got injured no. the second time. Yeah. So that's when they discovered the hernia. Oh my God. Yes. But so. that's the story. For another day. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, and um, Mark, just to finish off, can you give us a hint about uh, what story you'll be telling us next? Ah, well, next story I'll be telling you uh, actually involved a moment when I was climbing a mountain and I stood on a bluff. Now, when standing upon this bluff, which was covered in snow, everything began to move in what's known as an avalanche. 
But to find out what happens, we'll have to tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll leave you on that cliffhanger, literally. (laughs) All right, this has been Bushwhackers, not the wrestlers. I'm uh, Cameron Clark. Kia ora, I'm Mark Wilson. Kia ora, and uh, kakite anō. (laughs) 